Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. So today I'm going to talk about assurance of knowing that you are hearing God. One thing I see throughout Christianity are believers and people in general. Am I hearing God? Do I hear God? Am I hearing God correctly? Did I miss God? Did he say this to me and I missed him and I didn't hear him? Or how can I know I'm hearing God? How many of you have ever asked that question? How many of you have ever been confused and, and you thought, I thought I heard you? I mean, if you are not in that boat, then you just must not pray. That's all I can say. Or how could this have happened? I think we've all been there. So today I want to assure you and reassure you, every single one of us, we can all hear God. You know, did you know that even if Jesus Christ, if you have not yet made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you can still hear him? Why? Because we are created to hear him. We are wired to be in communion with our creator. That's all there is to it. It's Bible. And so I'm going to give you the three top ways that you can know you hear God. Now, Rick wrote an excellent book and when making a decision, and I don't even know if we have any and we don't have a bookstore anymore, but it was called, um, what was it called? Flying Hire. And it was on the seven ways God guides when you need to make a decision. That's not what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about basic hearing the voice of God. And the first basic one-on-one way that we hear God across humanity is the voice of our conscience. And sometimes we ignore that and we're looking for some supernatural, big pie in the sky, a sign from heaven, something to drop out of the air or a donkey to open its mouth and speak to us or the rocks to all of a sudden talk to us. And we're just looking for this magnificent, spectacular occurrence. But remember with Elijah or Elisha, remember, I always get them mixed up. So we'll just call them Eli. So it was one of them. I think it was Elijah. And remember, there was a, basically a tornado, earthquake, you name it. But God was not in any of those. What was God in? The small, still voice. And he still speaks that way today. Very, very, very rarely will people hear what is called an audible voice. Now, that would be nice, but then you might say, well, how do I know it was God? So let's first talk about the voice of conscience. Then we're going to talk about the 99.9% way that we can be guaranteed we're hearing God. So the voice of conscience, we ignore that a whole lot. But Isaiah 30 verse 21 says, your ears will hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or to the left, right there, should give you the authority to know that you can hear God. Jesus said in in John 10, verses 4 and 27, "When, when he has brought all his own sheep outside, he walks on ahead of them, and the sheep will follow him because they know, they know his voice. The sheep that are my own hear my voice and listen to me. I know them and they follow me. So Jesus himself gave us assurance and reassurance that you can know his voice and that you do know his voice. That should settle it for all of us. But let me tell you, there's another voice. It's found in Genesis 3, verse 1. And it sounds like this. Has God really said? Has God really said? That voice is still alive today, still speaking today. You need to silence that voice. Okay, these are harsh words, but... Simply say, shut up. That simple. In Romans 1, 20 and 22, forever since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, since when? Since the creation of the world. His invisible attributes, his eternal power, 
and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through his workmanship, so that they who fail to believe and trust in him are without excuse and without defense. What is that saying? The very nature testifies of his magnificence, that he exists. It says through his creation that is clearly seen and understood through his workmanship so that all who fell to believe and trust in him are without excuse and without defense. For even though they knew God as their creator, they did not honor him as God or give him thanks. On the contrary, they became worthless in their thinking. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Romans 2, 14 and 16. For when the Gentiles who do not have the law instinctively perform the requirements of the law, these, even though they didn't have the law, are a law to themselves. In that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience testifying, and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them on the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of mankind through Jesus Christ. Now, very, very clearly, their conscience testify, even people that don't know the Lord. But creation testifies, and you all know my story, that I was flying over the Swiss Alps, and I looked out. How many of you have ever seen the Swiss Alps? They are magnificent. You should go there someday when the world is not in complete insanity. And so we were landing, I think we were landing in Switzerland, actually. And, and I looked out the window of the plane. I was not a believer. And I saw the peak of the snow-covered Alps. And I can still hear the thought in my head, how can anybody see this and not believe that God exists? If I had died at that moment, I know I would have gone to heaven. How? My conscience testified it says men are without excuse. So you might say, well, what about people that have never heard the gospel? Well, it's made clear in scripture. How shall they hear without a, God, without a preacher? So do you think God's going to send people to hell that never had the opportunity to hear the gospel? Absolutely not. Creation testifies. One of the most magnificent moments of my life is I stood at the base of, of the mountains where Julie Andrews sang, The Hills Are Alive with the Sound of Music. It was spectacular. How could anybody see that and not? The, the creation testified. I could hear the hills singing. I think I tried even. It was marvelous. It was marvelous. So the Bible says men are without excuse because conscience will testify. Genesis 3. This is after the fall of man. Now, Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. And then the Lord called to the man and said to him, where are you? And Adam said, I heard the sound of your voice. And I was afraid because I hid myself. Now, let me ask you a question. The serpent wasn't around at this point. God said, where are you? And Adam said, I heard your voice. I was afraid because I was naked. What was that? His conscience. The devil didn't tell him you're naked. His conscience testified. So that's the first number one way that, that we hear God is through our conscience. If something feels wrong to you, don't do it. If you know that what you're going to say is wrong, shut your mouth. If you know an action you're going to take is wrong, if you're starting to feel annoyed, love is not touchy, fretful, or resentful, and you're starting to feel annoyed and irritable and you're going to snap, you know that's wrong. Don't do it. Or you can feel strife stirring. Maybe if you're married, not that your husband would ever say anything to irritate you. And every fiber of your being wants to retaliate. And you know it's not right. You know it's going to start a fight. Don't do it. James 4 and verse 1 says you fight because you want your own way. That's why we fight. I've heard marriage seminars just ticks me off so bad it's hard for me not to stand up and say something. And they talk about let's fight fair. That's unbiblical. Strife 
is listed in Galatians 5 as a work of the flesh. Now, can you disagree agreeably? Yes. I do it all the time. I'll just say, well, you know, I just, I respectfully do not agree with that. But I respect your right to believe it. Even though you're wrong, no, I don't say that. <laughs> I'm just telling you. 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 20. This I command you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you might fight the good fight, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. So what happens when you don't have a good conscience? It shipwrecks your faith. Hebrews 10, 22 let us approach God with a true and sincere heart in unqualified assurance of faith, having had our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What sprinkles your heart clean? The blood. So what do you do if you violate your conscience? Oh, I shouldn't have said that, God. Why did I say that? Lord Jesus, I just ask you that the blood of Jesus will cleanse me of this unrighteousness. That's having your heart sprinkled clean from a guilty, evil conscience. Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry for that attitude. Man, my attitude was wrong. Or, Lord, I just, I feel jealous of that person or envious of that person. Holy cow, they look better than I do. Well, the older you get, everybody looks better than you. <laughs> Lord, that's wrong. That's unbible. So, Lord Jesus, I just come under the blood. The blood cleanses us from a guilty, evil conscience. Hebrews 13, 8, the, the writer of Hebrews, who was probably the Apostle Paul, said, pray for us, for we are sure that we have a good conscience. I love that. That's how all of us should be. I am sure that I have a good conscience. 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16, sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, but with gentleness and respect, and keep a good conscience, so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who disparage your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. So people might say bad things about you, people might contest you, but if you have a good conscience, they're going to be ashamed of judging you. I like that. You know why? Because the word, you should let the word fight your battles. And I've learned to do that. 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. Here's where it gets scary. But the Holy Spirit explicitly says in later times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Here's why. By means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. See, you can ignore your conscience so much that it becomes seared. I mean, if I take an iron, just take a hot iron, and I sear something, then it's scarred. It's not any longer recognizable. And we can do that. I've told you the story many times of the greatest time this ever happened to me, I was following my family tradition of soap opera addiction. I've never been addicted to cigarettes or alcohol or anything else except soap operas. My great-grandmother, whom I knew, she passed when I was 15. My great-grandmother passed when I was 15. When she was a young woman, now in those days, so what would those days have been? The 1920s probably, right? I think. No, earlier than that. Yeah. My dad was born in 1923, so this would have been a long time ago, like 1900, I don't know. Anyway, women didn't really drive. Even when I was a girl, we had one car and one car garages. And so my great-grandmother and her best friend were standing waiting for a bus, and a truck ran off the road and killed her best friend. And she became, my, my great-grandmother became incapacitated for the rest of her life. And so my two great-aunts and one of my great-uncles never got married. Just my grandmother and her other sister got married. But the other three lived with my great-grandmother for the rest of their lives. And they took care of her. 
And she was a really scary lady. I was terrified of her. And she sat in a chair from 10 in the morning until 3 in the afternoon and watched soap operas. And if you tried to change the channel from channel 12, it was the death sentence. And my grandmother, 10 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon. And my grandmother, and I lived with my grandmother for a while, she would be on the phone during the soap operas talking to her best friend. Her name was Philomena. And they would gossip. I still remember just talking terrible about people. And it went on from 10 to 3 every single day. And you did not change the channel. You did not interrupt. And the only time you could talk is when the soap commercials came on, which is why they were called soap operas. And so my mother, soap operas. Now, my mother worked a lot, but when she didn't, she watched soap operas or she got on the phone and found out what Luke and Laura and all the rest of them were doing. See, some of you watch General Hospital, I can tell. And, well, I carried on their tradition. And so I started, my conscience started bothering me that it wasn't right. And so I compromised my conscience. And I decided, well, I would just watch General Hospital, which was from 2 to 3. And Kelly and Katie were little girls. And so I'd put a big old tray of potatoes in the oven, make French fries. And we would have ketchup and French fries, and we would watch General Hospital from 2 to 3 every day. (laughs) Now, the immorality in those days was nothing compared to what it is today. Probably we'd call it clean. And I don't watch that stuff. But I st- my conscience started bothering me. I-, I started thinking, this is wrong. I'm not passing on something good to my children. I'm studying the Word of God with them every morning. And Randy and I would study the Word of God. And we'd pray with them every night. We'd all kneel around the bed and pray and And yet, in the middle of this, I'm giving them this horrible example. I got so convicted, and I obeyed my conscience. And so one day, I said, girls, we're not going to watch this anymore every day at 2 o'clock. Mommy's going to take you on an outing. Because the pull was so strong that I knew if I stayed home, I would turn on the TV. And so every day at 2 o'clock, put the girls in the car, and we would go do something fun. And I did that for a long time. Until the pull stopped. Because if I hadn't, I would have suffered shipwreck. So that's my example. I'm sure you have yours. And some of you might be knowing right now, there's something you just need to give up. So the second way that we can be assured we hear God, and this is 99% of all instruction will come from the word of God. Hear me loud and clear. God will never violate his word ever. And if you are not regularly and daily in the word of God, this is the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. If you are not daily in the word of God, you cannot be assured that you are hearing him with accuracy. Period. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God himself. Jesus is the Word. The Bible's not about somebody. The Bible is somebody. We just have the privilege that it happens to be written in a way that our tangible being can apprehend it. But these words are spiritual words of power and life. For those who believe it, for those who will take it, I have to discipline myself because I have done this for 50 years now. You know my testimony. I got born again by reading the Bible. This book is alive. And so I have to discipline myself because by now I have a lot of words stored up in me and it's memorized in me. And it's very easy to you know, just to make it rope. I have to make myself stop, meditate, receive, because Hosea 4, 6 says God's people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. 
And it's talking about knowledge of the word. So discipline yourself. And we're going to read more about that in a minute. So the word was with God. The word was God. He was continually in the beginning with God. All things were made and came into existence through him. Without him, not one thing was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light, here you go, shines in the darkness. And the darkness does not understand, overpower, appropriate, absorb it. The light shines in the darkness. So how do you get answers when you are walking in a dark place? And we all will and do and have. I don't care if you are in the best. I had somebody text me from another state the other day. She said, I'm in the best season of my life. And I thought, well, enjoy it. Because storms will come. Remember, Jesus said, and when the storm came, it was a house built on the rock that stood. And let's face it, very clearly, there were two houses built the same, but one was built on a bad foundation. The other was built on this. And Jesus said, when the storm comes, the house will not be shaken that's built on the word. And it will come. And so I, I literally thought, well, enjoy yourself for as long as it lasts. John 14, excuse me, John 1, 14. And the word, capital W-O-R-D, Christ, became flesh and tabernacled and fixed his tent of flesh among us. And we actually saw his glory. Glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 17, 17, Jesus prayed, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So when Jesus said, I am the truth, I am the way, the truth, he was saying, I am the word because the word is truth. I just want to get this in you. This is how you hear God, believers. I'm talking to believers now. I love this scripture, Revelation 19. Oh, this is so beautiful. Verse 13, he is dressed in a robe dyed by dipping in blood. And the title by which Jesus is called is the word of God. I mean, how many more scriptures do you need to confirm that Jesus is the word? The word is Jesus. Oh, I wish he would just appear to me and just sit down and talk to me. And then I would know. Well, you can do that. Just sit down and read. You can know. I can give you multitudes of testimonies from my own life where I desperately needed an answer. I desperately needed to hear God. And as I quieten my heart and sit in a still place, the answer will always come through the word of God. Every single 100% of the time. 100%. Now, I may not exactly know how it's going to happen. And we'll get to the third way we hear God. That's how you'll know. I remember I was in my 20s, and I was so tired of struggling. I had so many insecurities. I wore a robe of rejection. I wore a, a coat of insecurity and inadequacy and inferiority. And I just lived that way. You know, spiritual garments are more real than, than this fuchsia shirt. I mean, don't you get around people, and you might be one of them, but you can take those clothes off today and put on your, your garment of salvation. And you get around them, and it's just like, it says, reject me. I remember the evangelist James Robinson was at our church back, way back, 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 back in the early days. And he told a story of he was in, at Burger King. And now we've all been in a Burger King. And there were long lines. Everybody's waiting to get to the counter. And he noticed all the other lines are moving, moving, moving. And they're getting their junk food burger and leaving. And this line is not moving. He's getting irritated. He's getting angry. And he looks at the girl who's serving, taking orders. And he, he, he just thought, I'm just going to tell her how I think when I get up there. He was so angry. And then all of a sudden, he hears the voice of the Holy Spirit say, James, look at her. She's not like all the other girls. Yeah, all other girls, they're like pretty. They've got on makeup. Their hair's fixed. Look at her. She has on no makeup. Her hair is greasy. 
Her countenance is downcast. And all she needs is some big shot evangelist to go up there and finish her off. And broke his heart. So when he got up there, he just told her how beautiful she was. He thanked her for serving. And he said the most gorgeous smile broke out over her face. And her whole countenance changed. I've never forgotten that. I've never forgotten it. Because whenever somebody is, has, gives bad service or whatever, and you know, all those things happen, especially, you know, customer service is like dead. I mean, if you ask for help in a the store, they tell you to do it yourself. I mean, I look for people that are shorter than me and that are trying to reach and can't reach. And I can't reach either, but I don't mind climbing shelves. I've done it many times. <laughs> just, to, just to help. I mean, you, you be the light. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works. People should be able to see, not because you're showing off, but because you're a reflection of the goodness of God. And so anyway, I, I, was, I remember I was taking a shower. And I just said, God, I don't want to struggle like this anymore. I don't want to wear these clothes. They were just horrible. I mean, I just knew instead of standing out in the crowd, I stood out for the wrong reason. I was just sure people looked at me and thought, loser. That was before this sign came out. But I wore this. And I clearly, clearly heard he was 412. And it became the signature over my life. For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power. It is active. It is operative, energizing, effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates to the dividing line of soul and spirit, joints and marrow of the deepest parts of our nature. And it exposes and it sifts and it analyzes and it judges the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. And I knew that I could have that pure heart I was longing for as I allowed the word of God to cleanse me of all those inferiorities and all those insecurities and all of the rejection and all of the fears. And he has. Glory to God. If he hadn't, I couldn't be standing up here today. In fact, next week I will be sharing with you I think to date is probably the biggest pivotal moment of my life. But I'm going to wait till next week to do that. Matthew 4, 3 through 4. And the tempter came to Jesus. This is after he was starving to death. He had fasted for 40 days. If you are the son of God, command these stones be made loaves of bread. I mean, is there anything that is more appealing if you are really hungry than a fresh loaf? Of hot bread. Can you imagine? You haven't eaten for 40 days. And you have the power. To have a fresh. Crispy on the outside. Soft on the inside. With freshly made cow butter. And here the devil comes. And, and challenges your authority. If you're the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. And, you know, the funny thing is, is the devil knew he had the power to do it. But Jesus replied, it has been written, man shall not live and be upheld and sustained by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. So see, his bread is the word of God and the word of God has the power to sustain, uphold, and give you life. Isaiah 61, 11, As surely as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown enough to spring up, so surely the Lord God will cause rightness and justice and praise to spring forth before all the nations through the self-fulfilling power of His Word. That's why you let the Word do the work. When God gives you a promise, Engraft it inside of you. Let the word do the work. I'm going to give you some more testimonies in a moment. I had a, I guess I'd call it a knockout moment the other night. And, and probably most of you are going to go, Sandy, that is just a little bit obvious. But it was such a divine revealing to me. I was taking a walk. And all of a sudden, I heard Isaiah 55. 
Verse 11 says, So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void. His word shall not return void without producing any effect or useless. His word will not return void. His word will produce an effect. It will be useful. And watch. But it shall accomplish that which I please and purpose. And my word will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Sent it. And then I heard Psalm 107.20. He sent his word and healed you. We can all be healed. Take the healing scriptures. Eat them as medicine. And all of a sudden I realized, I said, oh God, the Hebrew word send can't be the same word in both passages. You can't fool me. I'm going to look it up. And it was. And it means to send forth or out. His word will accomplish what he sends it to do. If you need finances, get the word on finances and provision. Speak it out of your mouth. Write it down. Look at it with your eyes. If you write it out, you write it in. Say it. Say it so that it returns to heaven and it will not return without accomplishing that for which God sent it. If you need healing in your body, get your healing scriptures. I don't know what they are. Well, ask Dr. Google. Just type in healing promises from Scripture. There's dozens and dozens of them. Type in healing miracles of Jesus. Did you know the majority of miracles were healing miracles? And I forgot how many times Jesus healed them all. Not every time, but many times he healed them all. Get those healing Scriptures. Don't just accept, well, the doctor said I have an autoimmune disease. The doctor said there's just no... No healing. There's no cure. Well, praise God if there's no cure. Let me give you one. There is a cure. It's found in this book. I do not let people tell me, well, that's just because, you know, when you get old, that's just what happens. I've told you many times, I honestly think I'm 30 until I look in the mirror. And if I don't have my glasses on, I still think I'm 30. <laughs> I refuse to think old. I had uh, lunch with a young pastor's wife, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And she looked at me and she said, you know, you don't think like older people. And I said, I never will. I don't know how they think. I, I, I heard on, I was listening to, what's that radio station? Air One. I was listening to Air One and they said, uh, the survey came out asking the Gen Z. You are not even going to fathom what I'm about to tell you. And so all these interviews were done with Gen Z. How old is Gen Z? I don't know how old they are. Lauren, are you Gen Z or a millennial? 1995 to what? Well, 19, around 1995 to 2010, that's Gen Z. So Gen Z was asked, how can you tell an old person? And so the, they're guessing different ways. And you know what the answer was? They scroll with their index finger. So I am relearning how to use my phone. And if you see me doing this, slap me. Because I refuse to be old. I refuse to be old. I will not do it. Age is just a number. So God's word will succeed in the matter for which he sent it. He sent his word and healed you. You can take that right there and receive your healing. That's all there is to it. All right. So, and as you know, I was born again by reading the word of God. So don't tell me it doesn't have power. I remember, now I'm going to skip over that. John 6, 63. It is a spirit who gives life. The flesh conveys no benefit. Whatever. The words I'm speaking to you are spirit and life. And so that leads us to the third way you can know you hear God. So the voice of your conscience, the voice of the word of God, who is Jesus. Who wants to guess what the third way is? Come on, it's a big audience. What, what? Talk loud. Yes. Happy birthday, by the way. I thought it was your birthday, Sarah. Is it? That's what social media said. Yeah. 
So happy birthday anyway. Because if social media says it, it's true. Not. It's being spirit-led. Now here's the problem. The Holy Spirit will never, ever, ever, ever violate the Word of God. He is always consistent with the Word of God. So you can never be assured you are hearing the Holy Spirit if you don't get this in you. You cannot. I have known some real wackos who have said the most ridiculous things to me. There have been women that said God told them to divorce their husband and marry so-and-so. I mean absurd things. And let me tell you something. When somebody plays the God card with me and there is no biblical substantiation for it, I just don't say anything because they're going to believe what they want to believe. So you be very careful with the God card. Well, God told me. Well, I hope he did. But you better be able to back it with this. You better be able to back it. So let's talk about that. All right, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, May the God of peace sanctify you whole, W-H-O-L-E, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of the Lord Jesus. Okay, so listen, you know this. This is basic truth. We are three-part being, right? We are a spirit, right? We have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, and we live in a body. Spiritual order is spirit first. We're to be controlled by our spirit man. Listen, when you ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, and then Lord, baptize me in your spirit, your spirit looks just like Jesus. You're perfect. Your spirit is perfect. It is reborn. That's what born again means. Your body's not reborn. Your soul is not reborn. But your spirit is 100% the divine image. So if you, could, if you could only see with your spiritual eyes and you look at your spirit in the mirror, you would see God. In fact, and I love this scripture. I hope I, oh, I, hope I put it. Yes, I did. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. For in him the whole fullness of the Godhead dwells in bodily form. And you are in him made full and having come to fullness of life in Christ. You are filled with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And you have reached all spiritual stature. That right there proves your spirit. Can you imagine if you live only out of your spirit? Your husband would adore you. You would have to keep him from worshiping you. But we don't. Because we are a spirit, but we have a soul. And your soul consists of your mind. So your mind, Romans 12, 1 and 2, has to be renewed. You have to have your soul, your mind renewed. To think like he thinks. That's why you can't just be spirit-led. You've got to have this to renew your mind. Your emotions have to be submitted. Emotions are good things. But they have to be submitted to the Holy Spirit to control. And your will, what does Psalm 32 say? Don't be like a horse or a mule that requires a bit and bridle to hold it in check or it will not come to you. And you know, I'm just watching Heartland. I'm learning a lot about horses. And it appears to me, from what I've seen, that once a horse is a wild horse, they're very hard to break. Is that right, Julie? Is it impossible to break one or just really hard? Really hard. So if you're going to be like a horse or a mule that requires a bit in bridle, then God will put one on you because he loves you. But I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be stubborn. I want to sub- willingly submit my will to the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Where is that? Your spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.16, who has known the mind, counsels, and purposes of the Lord, so as to guide and instruct him and give him knowledge. But we have the mind of Christ, and we hold the thoughts and feelings and purposes of his heart. Does that mean this is the mind of Christ, your brain? No. 
The mind of Christ is in your spirit. Okay, I know this is basic Bible, but I can tell by looking at a lot of you that this is the first time you've heard this. And so I just want to, to, to help you to, to understand. We're to be spirit-led, not head-led. That's how you get in trouble. When you're head-led, you get in a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble. You start claiming all your rights. Okay. I had <clears throat> at one time <clears throat> a very, very hard decision to make. It was a very hard decision. And there was not a, uh, you know, there's a lot of things like, who do I marry? That wasn't the decision. Who do I marry? What do I do about this situation? What do I do about this financial need? Uh, what do I do about this health need? What do I do about uh, my children's predicament? I mean, there's, what do I do about this job? I mean, you're not going to find a verse that says, accept a position at Summit Church. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the principles are all in here. But a lot of decisions we make regarding our business, our provision, our health, our raising of our children, all of these things, we have to hear the Holy Spirit who will never contradict the word. So I was in this situation where I didn't know if I'd heard God. I really didn't. And it was very, very important. And so I got along with the Lord and I said, Lord, have I heard you? If I, if I haven't, I will change direction. And he gave me 1 John 2, 20. You have been anointed from the Holy One, and you know the truth. I write to you not because you're ignorant and do not perceive and know the truth, but because you do know it, and you know that nothing false, no deception, no lie is of the truth. And when I read that, I knew because I had a biblical promise regarding the situation. And when I read that, I knew God is telling me no lies of the truth. And I had a promise to stand on. But, you know, a lot of people come to me and I go, well, what promise are you standing on? And they freeze. And then they try to start thinking about what's in the promise box. No, 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 no. You should be able like that, like that, like that. If I ask you, what are you standing on? You should be able to tell me what has God said to you in the word. And then the Holy Spirit will tell you how to execute that. And I'll tell you about one of the, the, one of the main ways he does it. I'll never forget many, many years ago. Oh, my goodness, this must have been 25, 30 years ago. We had a friend, Pam and I. Her name was Maria Mauger. Loved this woman. Totally. Spirit-filled woman. She was a missionary to Mexico. And she came into our meeting one Tuesday morning, and she looked at me, and she said, Sandy, the Lord spoke this to me about you. She said, you will always have 1 John 227 to guide you. And that says the anointing that you have received from him abides in you so that you would have no need for anyone to instruct you, but just as his anointing teaches you concerning everything and is true and no falsehood, you must abide in him. And I took hold of that and I've held on to it ever since. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. Okay, I'm almost done. If I can find 1 Corinthians 6, here it is. The person who is united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So your spirit and the Holy Spirit are one. Can't tell the difference. And he will never violate the word of God. I can't stress to you enough. I could just tell you so many stories. I'll just tell you one. There was a lady. This is way back when we were on Bandera. That's how long ago. And this, this precious woman is now with the Lord. She had the wackiest crazies. They were not financially prosperous. She came to me one day and said, uh, the Holy Spirit said that we were to invest in this particular investment. And you and Randy really need to do this. We're going to be millionaires in six weeks. And so I go running to Randy. Randy, we've got to invest in this. We're going to be millionaires in six weeks. Thank God my husband is a minister of finance. He's very financially sound. We've always lived beneath our means. We've laid up an inheritance for our children's children. And, and he's, I mean, I trust him financially. And he, he shook his head. He goes, Sandy, I'm very familiar with this type of investment. And you can go completely broke on it. It's, a, it's, it's literally gambling. It's a gambling risk. And I, I said, so I, you know, I'm a young believer at the time. I go back to this girl and say, you shouldn't do that. 
Oh, no. We're going to be rich in six weeks, and I'm believing God. I'm believing God. So she went out, and she bought this expensive designer handbag, and Lord only knows what else, because they were going to be rich in six weeks. Well, they ended up divorced. Their, their youngest son, who was their treasurer, became a heroin addict and died of an overdose. And, and she had a very difficult death. And so, which was heartbreaking. It's not anything I'm parading, and none of you even know who I'm talking about. But like I said, this was like 35 years ago or so. But I'm just telling you, you see, you get wacky if you're not walking in the wisdom of God. And this is how Jesus has made unto us wisdom. So you've got to be grounded in the word of God. My born-again spirit is identical to Jesus. I want to walk by the spirit. I want to be spirit-led. He will speak to you in the first person. He will never violate his word. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Romans 8, 14, all who are led by the spirit of God are the sons of God. I had literally all three of my son-in-laws, the Holy Spirit showed me who they were. I don't have time. I've told you the stories many times. I don't have time to tell to you again. But I'm telling you, I knew by the Holy Spirit that all three were going to be my son-in-laws long before my daughters knew it. But here's the deal. I stayed in the word of God. I stayed in prayer. I communed with the Lord day and night over this, day and night, night and day, day and night, seeking the wisdom of God, staying focused on the author and perfecter of my faith. I didn't try to push it. I didn't say, oh, this is your husband. You need to marry that person. Never did it. In fact, there are a few times I said, really? Because, you know, I mean, men and women are different, right? And so I'm just telling you, I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you. If you violated your conscience, repent. Ask the Lord to forgive you and sprinkle it clean with the blood of Jesus. If you've been not consistent in the word of God, change. Get in the word of God. Let the word of God, which is alive, speak to you. Deuteronomy 30, 19. Oh, I do want to share this with you. I promise you we're going to close. In Job 22, 28, this was so important to me. You see, God gives us the power to decide. He's not going to force you to do anything. And so the attitude that so many people have, well, whatever happens, happens. What will be, will be. Que sera, sera. Whatever the will of God is, it doesn't work that way, people. If you think that, you are sorely mistaken. It does not work that way. That's how you get into trouble. God gave us the power to decide. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, I've set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse, choose life. It's an open book test. Open book. And you know what? And then it says, in order that you and your descendants may live. So whatever bad choices you are make today, stop. Just stop it and turn. That's what repentance is. It's not groveling. And, oh, God, I'm a horrible person. Lord, I'm going east, but I'm going to go west. That's what repentance is. I'm going to change my mind and go the other direction. And so I have a friend lives in Mexico, and 28, 29 years ago, he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease. He was a landscaper, carried Roundup on his back day and night. Got, you know, and they know now that it's carcinogenic. I don't know why it's still on the market in this nation because it isn't in other countries, but I won't go there. And so uh, he, after five years of chemo, surgery, Radiation, lather, rinse, repeat. They said, you're, you're going to die. There's nothing more we can do. And he was a believer. So he decided to do his bucket list because, you know, he had three months to live. And so he always wanted to see a moose. I don't know why. I'm like, you mean like Bullwinkle? What are you talking about? I've seen a moose. It didn't impress me. And so he goes to Colorado. He goes up to the Rocky Mountains. And he's praying, Lord, I just, before I die, I want to see a moose. And he stands up on a mountain top, and there's no moose. And he hears almost an audible voice say, choose life. And at that moment, he knew he would live. And he said, I choose life. 
He had the word of God, but then he had to be led by the Holy Spirit. What do you want me to do to choose life? And the Lord showed him diet changes, certain things he needed to do, and he did them. And in six weeks, he was totally healed. Don't you tell me he can't do it. But he, so he heard the word of God, choose life, and then the Holy Spirit showed him how. Do you see? That's how it works. And lastly, and this is how I want to close, never violate your peace. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of God rule your heart. And that Greek word peace means umpire. And the Amplified Classic says, let the peace of God act as umpire, deciding with finality every question that arises in your mind in that peaceful state in which you are called to live. Don't violate your peace. The hardest decision I ever had to make in my entire life, and I'm just going to tell you the truth. I had two choices. I had zero peace about one way and some peace about the other way. So I went with some peace because the some peace required a real risk of faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I, I had to choose between zero peace and I chose some peace. And then I, Holy Spirit, how do I fulfill this? And he showed me. And so I just want to encourage you. John 14, 16 says, I will ask the Father, he will give you another comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby, that he may be with you forever. And in John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So don't forget, you have a helper, you have a comforter, you have a counselor, you have a teacher. He's here for you, ask him. But he'll never violate the word. Okay, so the voice of your conscience, the voice of the word, and the voice of the Holy Spirit. You can hear God. So quit saying you can't. Quit letting the tempter say, has God said? He's a liar. So Father, I just thank you that you gave us everything we need that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of you who called us. And I pray for everyone in my hearing that they will, without any doubt or limitation, know that they hear your voice that they will follow you under the authority of conscience, the authority of your word, and the leading of your precious Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting chosenessay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.